Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. David Eichel, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, here, ready to recap the Iowa spring game, which was surprisingly more entertaining, I should say, than, than I thought it was going to be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are several things to take away from it. Of course, people need to remember that it's only one practice out of 15, so try not to make too many you know, jump to too many conclusions with everything going on. But there were certainly, I thought, some guys that raised their stock, some position groups performed better. Uh, but, Sean, I feel like I'll also let you start with with general takeaways. I was up in the press box uh, doing some stuff on my laptop, and you were out braving a pretty cold day, I should say. But you got every play, uh, and that is available at HawkeyeInsider.com. So I'll let you just start. T- take it away wherever you want to go with it. Yeah, I think offensively, things were definitely positive. Now, I know there were a number of guys that were out on both sides of the ball. I mean, Iowa's offensive line was pretty beat by injuries. Um, we didn't get to see Atana K. McNamara. We didn't get to see any of them during the 11-on-11 se- sequence. But I thought there were some positives with offense. I think one of them was LaShawn Williams. I think a lot of people mentioned that he he seems to have a little bit more wiggle this year to him, he kind of seems to, you know, be able to fit into tight spaces and make plays that way. And I mean, I was always talking all spring about him being the like cleared out or clear cut, like number two, number two running back behind Caleb Johnson. And obviously, you know, that's probably the case, but you know, I always kind of talked about Johnson being the one to handle about maybe 75, 70% of the carries, but yeah, I could see a scenario with Williams just based off that one practice where maybe it's more, you know, 60, 40 or 65, 30, somewhere along those lines. So that's, that was one of my bigger takeaways. I mean, I think the tight end room was obviously really impressive. We knew that coming into it wide receivers. I know people don't want to, you know, buy into the walk on hype and walk on hype. And I totally get it based on what happened last year. But I mean, I think there were some walk-ons that showed plenty. I think Alec Wick had a nice catch. Re, uh, Alex Eichmann made a couple of plays get to get behind the secondary. Jack Johnson had a nice catch during the two-minute drill. Um, Caden Wetgen has shown promise this spring, too. You know, they, it, I thought the wide receivers didn't have a bad showing, um, but you'd like to get some of those guys healthy. I mean, we didn't see Seth Anderson. We didn't see Jacob Bostic. And we didn't see uh, Nico Regani, who all three of them have been dealing with injuries this spring, Nico being more recent. But I still thought it was solid. I mean, they, I still think a receiver is necessary in the portal. 
Kirk kind of mentioned it too, that an outside receiver might be an option. So I think that's going to be something monitor over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I mean, offensively, I thought things were solid. I mean, Cade, in the limited time that we saw him, he could he could throw the football. Deacon Hill, I thought probably, you know, this year, I mean, obviously I know Deacon, one practice, he doesn't have the experience. I mean, he played in the Big Ten at Wisconsin, but it's not like he played. Yeah. But yep. I think for some reason, maybe as an outsider, you feel a little bit better about the quarterback room and the depth behind Cade. Um now that you have someone like Deacon Hill, who you know was was pretty solid on Saturday, I thought he was, I thought he had a pretty respectable performance. And taking into account Joey Lavis too, those guys are fighting for that backup spot. Joey Lavis won you a bowl game last year, and I know bowl games, you know, Kentucky didn't have all their guys playing, but he was pretty good in that bowl game, and he was able to pick up that pick up on things quickly in bowl prep leading up to it. So. You know, there's certainly positives offensively to take away. I think we learned more about the offense than we did the defense, just because I still think there's some moving parts on defense and, um, you know, offensively. I mean, the offensive line as well, that's maybe one thing that I kind of glossed over because there's still moving parts there. I mean, Dejon Parker wasn't healthy, isn't healthy, isn't get back till June. Rusty Feth won't join the program until June. Um and there were a couple of Mason Richmond was out. I think Connor Colby was Connor out. Connor Colby too. was out too. Yeah. And Ms. Linsky was out. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's still stuff that we didn't learn, but I thought it was a pretty, pretty smooth practice for the most part. And, you know, there's certainly some positives that you can take away. It was better than I thought. And I, th- I mean that in a compliment because I didn't expect to be able to take too much away. I think obviously one of the biggest storylines to me was Deacon Hill. I mean, this is a guy that was headed to Fordham and then Iowa called. And I think the way he performed on Saturday, I think it just proves that he was worth the scholarship. Now, look, again, it's only one practice, but cannon of an arm. I mean, he was letting it fly downfield. He wanted to attack down the field, and that was interesting to me. Obviously, no contact for the quarterbacks. I We didn't get a real chance to see him kind of move around the pocket, but – I think the big thing for me is Kirk Ferentz said that he's now the backup quarterback. Now him and Joe Labis are still battling it out. Kirk said it could change, but it's very interesting to me, Sean, the contrast of styles, because you look at over the years, Kirk Ferentz said, you know, our offense is very complicated. Takes guys multiple years to really understand it. And I have no doubt that that was the truth, especially when you call out protections, et cetera. But Iowa's top two quarterbacks now, uh, right now, one of them just came in, and they, they both just came in. And I think that's a very big deal. I think it shows that the room's going to be deeper this upcoming season. And and Deacon just brings a different, I guess, style to that Iowa quarterback room. But I thought he delivered a lot of good throws, wanted to push the ball down the field. I don't believe he had an interception during the practice, but – Certainly some good things. I mean, we we didn't gloss over tight ends yet. We'll go in-depth on it. But, man, tight end's going to be elite, elite, elite. I mean, Eric All just moves around different, even in warm-ups. Didn't do a lot of 11-on-11. 11 11. Had a few nice grabs in 7-on-7. Seven seven. But he's just built like an NFL tight end, and I'm very curious to see how the scouts are going to look at him this upcoming year. Luke Lachey, I think, is going to you know fit the hype. Asin Ostranga, he's going to be ready to go. He was one of the stars. I put in my three stars, two honorable mentions. When his number is called upon, he's going to be ready to go. 
uh, and step into that role very nicely. Could have been this year, but obviously Iowa got Eric all. Hey, and large Dort, Dort College walk-on could play fullback maybe this year as well. I mean, that's a guy that really had a few nice grabs, I thought, and he is a mean blocker. So I think Abdul Hodge has done a phenomenal job of acquiring talent and developing that talent. He's been a really good addition uh, to that team and that position group. So certainly I think that's worth noting. Then obviously defensive line, the ball, Iowa did not have YA Black. They didn't have Logan, Logan Lee. And there's a couple other guys that weren't were missing, but that defensive line group, I thought the offensive line had a better day. But again, you think back to that kids practice last year in the fall, Iowa's offense looked a lot better than the Iowa defense. So take it with a grain of salt, but I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. I think summer is going to be a big deal. Iowa has to get healthy more than anything, especially on the line, especially at, at wide receiver and just make sure Caden McNamara is a hundred percent. So, all in all, I thought it was a good practice. I think we see a lot of potential with this team. And I think Kirk is cautiously optimistic about where this team's headed. And we didn't gloss over special teams. And you don't want to take it for granted. But LeVar Woods has got to be one of the happiest coordinators in the country. I mean, I think they're elite at every single position in that special teams unit. Tory Taylor did not practice. They wanted to get some other reps for some other guys at that backup spot and develop depth. But Tori is going to be fine as well. So I think there's a couple of notable storylines, and I'm very curious to see what happens between the battle with Deacon Hill and Joe Lapis for that backup spot. Yeah, it's going to be like a couple of years ago where I think a lot of people were talking about Deuce Hogan and Alex Padilla fighting it out for the backup spot. Obviously, Padilla ended up winning that mainly because of the experience. But, you know, I think you're talking about two higher caliber quarterbacks right now. And that's that's a big plus because I think last year there was a point where when Iowa would have to go to the bench with Petrus, like, you know, if they had someone they were more confident in, then they probably would have gone to the backup sooner. And not to say that Alex Padilla didn't prove himself in earlier seasons, but there's a reason why the Iowa staff took so long to get him in over Petrus um, at one point. So, you know, I think that obviously it's going to be a lot different when when a game is being played and when you got 70,000 fans screaming at you and, you know, you're not playing against your own defense. But I think that's certainly a positive to take away from this spring practice was that Deacon Hill and Joey Lavis really seem to be an uptick in this quarterback room from a backup perspective. And, you know, with K. McMara, too, He's not fully healthy right now. I mean, I think he's getting to that point, or at least he's fairly close. And yeah. once he gets there, he's going to be that immediate upgrade at, at quarterback, which is something that we've all you know mentioned throughout the last couple months since he's committed. But I'm really interested to see what what you know what's different with this offense. I think there's a chance where you know there's certain things that you can do. I know Brian Perrin said. I think people maybe took his quote out of context last week where he said, we're going to do the same things, just do it better. You know, you're not – one of the things I think people need to realize is Brian Ferentz isn't going to come out and say, oh, yeah, we're going to do this to the offense. We're going to change this to the offense. Now, you know, I don't think a lot of stuff is changing with that stuff. Like, I think they're going to keep personnel, but I think there's going to be certain things that look different. 
Like, I think there's a chance where Iowa can throw three tight ends on the field maybe and, you know, have someone line up wide, out wide. They did that with Addison Estranga during the practice. Sure. Um, they did with Eric Gall. They did with Luke Lachey. Obviously, that H-back role with someone like Hayden Large, I think that's something that they could factor in. Now, I don't know if that's for certain, but I think it's something that they could do. Um you know, I think with RPOs, that might be something that they use more with Cade. I think they might try and use Cade's feet to his advantage a little bit more, at least mobility to his advantage. I'm not going to say they're going to run designed runs for him, but they're going to use, they're going to have plays in the playbook where, you know, he's not limited to do what he wants to do with his feet. And I think that's a net, I think that's a positive. And I think that's something that, we'll see this year. And I think some that's something that the Iowa staff is still kind of working on because they still have a number of practices in the summer to get things yeah. right before the season and obviously fall camp. But I think with Cade, there's going to be some minor, minor changes that, you know, can kind of upgrade the offense a little bit and make it look a little more, a little more modern. Now, I don't know what exactly. I mean, I know I mentioned those things before, but I think there's some things just just me watching practice. I think there's some things, and you know, Cade having a say and stuff. I think there are some things that could look a little bit different. Yeah, and I'm and I'm with you on that. I just think that given the offensive production last season and the last couple of seasons, saying you're going to do the same thing, it's just the most uninspiring thing you can hear from the fan base's perspective. But I I, I completely understand with what you're saying and. You know, again, the reality is, and this is where people need to give Brian and Kirk and them credit. They have looked in the portal and they have upgraded what they have available to do what they want to do. Iowa's offense and what they've done in over the, the Kirk Ferentz era and Brian Ferentz era, there has been some success. There have been things that have worked. Now you have two elite tight ends. Addison, I think you have a, a good third one, but he needs to prove it in a game setting, right? You have Caleb Johnson, who I think could be one of the best backs in the Big Ten. And you have an offensive line that you've added more pieces to. Now Rusty needs to come in and, you know, stabilize the interior a little bit. Dijon Parker has to get fully healthy and make sure he's in game shape and conditioned right. But there are pieces to work with. And then obviously the biggest piece of it all, Cade McNamara, who's won a Big Ten championship. So you can be – I think people can be frustrated that – they haven't come out and said what they're going to change structurally. You know, there's going to be some things behind the scenes that will change, but people need to be able to dif differentiate that versus they're not doing anything. They don't want to win. Like clearly they want to win. I have never subscribed the notion that, Oh, they just don't want to win. They, they want to win. They want to win more than the people that are in the fan, the stands. Okay. They want to win just like the players do. They have upgraded the roster. They upgraded the talent. And now it's, I don't want to say it's the big, big test, but it's the final test because last season I thought was the big test. We can go back and forth about what should have happened with Brian, et cetera, but that's kind of just a mute point at this point. We've talked about it enough. People know my thoughts about it. People know your thoughts. Pretty sure the fan base has one thought about it, but it will be interesting to see what they do. Uh, but I want to flip it back over the defense real quick. It's tough for me to take too much away on the defense. Again, I thought the offense had the better day personally, Sean, at the end of it, but Nick Jackson isn't here. They were missing a lot of people on the interior of that defensive line. This The first team secondary did not get a bunch of reps. And, you know, the reality is the, the, the thing that I think was the best thing to happen for this Iowa defense, Sean, do you remember the final 
maybe 10, 15 minutes of practice where Iowa, the, the DBs just got beat and, or they got lost in coverage or a couple touchdowns. There was a drop touchdown and it, uh, you know, that's going to raise Phil's eyebrows and probably have him say a few words that cannot be repeated on this podcast. But that's what happened last year in the fall scrimmage. And I think that that was a big reason why Iowa came out ready to go when the season started. So I thought the defense showcased some nice things early on. They got beat late. And I think that's going to only amp up Phil Parker when they really start to break down what happened in the spring and as they prepare for the season. Yeah, I mean, I think last year Iowa's offense was ahead of the defense, at least in that practice and, you know, we, we all saw what what ensued this season. So, like we said, I mean, one practice you can't really take away take away much. Um, but, you know, who – I'm interested to hear your take on this, Dave. Who do you think – or what position group outside of the tight ends and outside of the defensive line do you feel best about right now on both sides of the ball? That's interesting. Uh, as a position group, so not just starters, right? Because I think defensive backs would be a very easy answer just simply because of Cooper, Xavier, Quinn, and Jamari. But there's not a lot of proven yeah. depth behind there. That's, I, I mean, that's yeah, tough. that's kind of why I was – that's why I was looking at a cornerback in the portal right now. But, yeah, you know, I think with the defense, my my call. I mean, I know Iowa secondary is going to be talented and they're going to be disciplined, but it kind of seemed like they were still figuring things out together. I think it was interesting that Bill yeah. Parker dropped this during the press conference where he said that Jamari's still rusty. Like some of these guys are still figuring out. I think you were the one that asked him. Um, maybe it wasn't you. What was about, it about like, the communication and on the back end and losing a lot of that leadership? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. yeah, that yeah, that was me. And he yeah, I mean he like you said, he kind of said they felt good about, it, but they're still trying to figure things out. And Xavier's louder on the football field and he's still finding his voice. But uh yeah, you know, I didn't even put two and two together on that when we when we watched the practice on Saturday. I think that's a good point. That they, they definitely are still figuring things out. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and I think you saw that too because I know Phil was getting into a couple of the guys and, you know, not just not just, you know, the starters, but some of the backups too. And, you know, I think it's noteworthy that Iowa is going after uh, a cornerback in the portal to help with that depth because, you know, I, I think they feel good about the depth. I, you know, based on my scene of it, I think TJ Hall is that, you know, there's there's um, Jamari Harris, Cooper Jean, Jamari Harris, Gap, TJ Hall, Gap, a couple other guys. Yeah, that, that's kind of how I see yeah. it right now. And I think you need to have someone in between Cooper DeGene, Jamari Harris, and DJ uh, Hall. And put, preferably a two-year guy because he can step in, assuming that 
you know, I know Jamari has one more year if he wants it. Um, Cooper has another year if he wants it after this. But, you know, there's a chance for him to be, obviously, an NFL draft pick if First he has the season pick. that he's capable of having. Yeah. Um, so there, there's question marks there. Um, so that's that makes sense why they're kind of going after in the portal. But I think you want to feel a little bit better about the guys that you have this year and also the pieces behind them. Because, I mean, we saw – not not to take anything away from – what TJ Hall has shown, but yeah, you know, there, there's a clear gap between that first group and then say TJ Hall right now. And look what happened last year in that Nebraska game. So it may, it makes sense why they want a guy in the portal, but I also think that's a position where, you know, they, they acknowledge that they're pretty thin right now. Like they're pretty good up top, but they're pretty thin at that position and linebacker, you know, there's still guys that are figuring it out. I think they're a little deeper there, but there's not as much proven depth. If that makes sense. Yeah, I know. Um, absolutely. The more I think about Sean, I was going to say, I think you feel better about linebackers than, than as a room than defensive backs. Now that could change come fall, but I think about, they're going to add Nick Jackson. They, the, Jay Higgins is going to be a very, very good player for Iowa this season as well. Kyler Fisher has raised his stock. Carson Sherrard, there's been a lot of talk about him as well. You got Jane Harrell. I mean, you can go down the list of guys that, have been in the program for a few years, haven't gotten a lot of opportunities. But I, I, maybe they're kind of back and forth. I, I would understand if people said they feel better about the secondary because Phil Parker gets the best out of everybody in his secondary. So I think that's a fair point as well. I might go linebackers. And on the offensive side, you know, I'm going to go running backs. I, I think you can make a case for quarterback, and I certainly understand that. But Caleb Johnson, I think you feel really good about. I think you feel good about LaShawn Williams. I think Jazz Patterson, I think he has a lot of potential in that back end as well. I mean, I think he's going to be a guy that I'm trying to think of the, the three running back situation. They had. Was it Makai, Ivory, and Tyler Goodson? I mean, Jazz might fit in that, that third running back role, right? I mean, he could see some action, and I think he'd do some nice things. And whenever we talked about Caleb Johnson last year, the coaches were quick to point out that Jazz is doing – the same things as Caleb. Like he's doing everything right. He's learning the system. He's looking fast. I had a big run in the bowl game. So I'm not saying he's going to dominate the games by any stretch or anything in the imagination, but he's going to get his opportunities, I think. And it would not surprise me to see him make the most of it. So I think you're feeling pretty good about the rooms that, you know, Liddell Betts has built. And it is crazy to think, Sean, when you think about the, the two newest hires at Iowa, it's Liddell Betts and it's Abdul Hodge. And you are feeling pretty, pretty good about both those position groups. Yeah, no, definitely. Those are, uh, those are two. I mean, Edison Estringa, people saw what we know, or, you know, what I've kind of been saying. I know that I was staff was first time before me, but when I saw him in high school, I was like, there's no way that this kid is not a really good player at Iowa. Yeah. Um, and kudos to the Iowa staff for, you know, taking him because he was not a he was not a primary option for the staff in the 2022 recruiting class at the tight end spot. That was the year that Eli Raritan went to Notre Dame um, and a few other guys kind of not remembering their names right now. But yeah. Eli was at the top of the board. Um, uh, Andrew Keller, uh, Mike O'Reilly Ducker. That's right. Yeah, those types of guys 
And, you know, Addison, people are kind of like, why are we taking this kid? Like, he's playing Iowa baseball for a reason. Like, he doesn't have the, you know, the offers. But, I mean, looking back, like, I mean, obviously he hasn't shown it on the field yet consistently, but just from what he's shown in practice and what he showed on Saturday, like, that's kind of what you're going to get with him. And, you know, he's still young. He's still figuring it out, but he's going to be a really good player for Iowa. And, you know, Hayden Large coming along too, I think, with Eli Miller out with injury, I think he has a real chance to step up. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's the tight end room. You, you feel good about it for sure. And, you know, that's where, gonna, that's where most of the passing yards and probably touchdowns are going to come this year. But I think you have a group that, you know, could could build on what last year's group did. And I think you might have some receiver targets that can complement Cade McNamara a little bit better next year um, to get more passes vertically and get more things vertically. I think there's a there's a lot of potential for that. You know, I remember when you went up and scouted Addison for the first time, I think it was halfway through his workout and you text me and you're like, this dude's better than what? people think like it's he's better than the rating initial rating here on 24 seven. And I, I give you props because most of the time when you, when you tell me that, I think you've hit on about every, every one of those, those guys always end up becoming pretty decent players at Iowa. So I want to give you kudos for that, but no, I mean, like you said, I, Lucas Van Ness, Lucas that Van Ness was, was my, he was my first one. Yeah. Yeah. That's one I remember. Yeah. I remember going to see him and, yeah, he's uh he's gonna be drafted probably in the top twenty this year. I don't I don't think I have an appointed guy yet for twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty one or twenty what was twenty twenty one? I'm gonna go back and look at that. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. Do, well I think, you didn't do you didn't say Xavier, right? Like I know that's the obvious one, no, but there was another but some another person that you said. Uh might have been Max Llewellyn or might have been. Uh, might have been Max Lowen or obviously Cooper, but Cooper was an easy one. Um, Cooper, I, really I think, it was, Colby I think you class. said Cooper because, well, yeah, he was rated highly by us, but there was a lot of, from the outside perspective, not just not Iowa people, but from the outside, it was kind of like, okay, it's small town Iowa kid. He's not going to be able to go in there and tear it up the way everybody thinks he is. And you just were like, no, he's going to come in and be an immediate impact player. Yeah, I think with this class, 2023, I might go with John Nestor, Aiden Hall. Those are two guys that I think are the highest floor. I mean, Trevor Lauk's one too, but yeah, I think Nestor and Nestor and Hall are going to be really good fits. Um, 2024, I'm not ready to have one yet, but Derek Wieskopf is, is pretty close. And I He's think Drew Campbell's going to be pretty dang good too. Yeah, yeah, Wieskopf's a dude. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I guess, again, to kind of wrap this up, Sean, the spring game, it, again, it was more entertaining than I thought. And I feel, again, it's one practice, but in my my way too early prediction for Iowa next season is to go 10-2, 9-3-10-2. I'm leaning more toward 10-2. I feel better about that prediction after what I watched in the spring and really kind of dissecting the coach's comments if that makes sense. Like, obviously we need to see what happens, but they need to get healthy. They need, they need to get a wide receiver in the portal, but they just need enough perimeter weapons on the outside to accommodate the run game and utilizing the tight ends. Because I do believe 
Now I'm not, they're not both going to be all Americans, but Luke Lachey and Eric all are both all American caliber tight ends. Like they have that sort of upside. They have that sort of talent. Are they going to get the opportunity to do that? I don't know, but I have very, very high expectations for both those guys. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. Those, uh, those guys are going to be, you know, special players for Iowa this year. And, you know, I would say, I mean, obviously you talk about the offensive line, but I think they're the key for this team in, in general. Like, yeah, I think they'll be able to get better separation than maybe some of the other wide receivers at this point. But like I said, I mean, I know it's Iowa, but I don't think I'm going out of limb here saying that those guys are probably going to be the two leading receivers this year. You'd like yeah. to see a wide receiver or two step up, but I think it's going to be Eric and Luke. It could be from a yardage. I think Nico has a chance when he gets fully. I think Nico has a chance to be the leading receiver as far as receptions goes, but touchdowns and yards, I think it's going to be. I think you go back and forth between Luke and Eric. I might lean toward Eric simply because there's that proven chemistry between him and Kate McNamara just from the time at Michigan together. But it'll be exciting. I think George Barnett has i think this is his prove it year i think he's a really good coach i think he's very well respected in the locker room i think he's a good recruiter but i do think it's a make or break year for george barnett that offensive line has to be better and something i didn't really i wanted to touch on very quickly before i wrap this up i thought logan jones had a nice day at center i i didn't see any missed time snaps i know there's been some concerns about that with what he did at times last year but he was still so new to the position and he was trying to fill shoes that were impossible to fill I really expect a big big jump up this season in Logan Jones because I think he has all the athletic ability in the world to be a really really good center and I think he's a smart dude who's really going to be able to piece it together yeah no I I agree with you I mean you probably saw a little bit more with him because I was more so watching the ball. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to focus on the offensive line as much because I just wanted to make sure I hit the shot and everything. I think I only messed up like one time, um, which was, which was pretty good for me, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, he's a guy like we talked about so many times before that, you know, the staff feels good about what he does and what he can bring. But remember, like he's just really starting the position out. Like, yeah. Tyler Linderbaum, what Tyler Linderbaum did was once in a freaking like generation century type. Yeah. yeah like not even once, once in a, yeah, he's, he's just different. And, you know, not saying that Logan can be like that, but that's like very high expectations to try and, you know, put on someone. And, you know, had he gone behind Tyler Linderbaum or had he not gone behind Tyler Linderbaum, I think there's reason to believe that he could have been a little bit better next year from an outsider's perspective because, you know, those high expectations were on him before the season. But I think he's got the perfect build for the body. I think he he gets really good leverage, like moves really well, side to side. Um, You know, he's a pretty commanding dude. Um, And, yeah, just, like, fits the mold of what Iowa wants in the center. But this is kind of the year, I think, where – it's going to be crucial for him to, you know, take that next leap because he needs to do it. I'm with you on that. So we'll have plenty more to talk about in the next coming weeks. We got a lot more stories coming out. Hawkeye Insider 
Eichel.com. Be sure to stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, and at Hawkeyes on 24-7. And stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the most in-depth Iowa coverage in the market. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.